Thank you for listening in today to our Friday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we'll continue our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over. It's a great question to ask if your actions stumbles those who are weak in their faith. Weak in their faith. I know of someone that um, thought that they had the liberty to, uh, to drink in front of somebody that had an uh, issue with drinking. And so they did. And little did they know that that night when that person left, they went out on an all-night drinking binge and to this day has not come back to the faith. We need to be very, very careful of what it is that we do. Because there are people always, always watching us. Always watching us. And they could be very young in the faith. You go, well, it's not kids. They could be young in the faith. They're children still in the Lord. And our actions can stumble them. And so we have to be very, very careful. And this is how God wants to reveal himself to others. He wants to reveal himself through you and I. He wants to reveal himself through us. And so people are looking. They really do want to see Jesus in us. And Jesus said, it's better if a millstone was hung around your neck if you call one of these little ones to stumble. And when you think about children, children are constantly looking towards their parents. And you might say, I've blown it though. Okay, repent. Ask God to forgive you. And then intercede for your kids and from here on out, live that life so they could see, you know what, they were always saying it, but now I'm really starting to see it in my dad. I really am starting to see it in my mom. I'm beginning to see it in my parents. And I know that they feel horribly of, of some ways that they let me down, but I can see that they're changing. God will use that. God will definitely use that. So just repent. Submit yourself to God so that your children and others can see the wonderful grace and mercy of God. Because that's a great thing to see too. My dad was such a jerk. I know. But look at him now. That's the grace and mercy of God. And that grace and mercy can also be poured out on you. So it's not too late. It's not too late. In 1 Samuel 2.25 says, If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Jesus will. <laughs> 1 John 2.1 says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And yet, he's telling them this. He's saying you shouldn't be doing this. Who's going to intercede for you? And what is it they say? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Whoa! That's pretty powerful right there. That's real powerful. There are some who see this as unfair, like Eli's sons want to repent or something and God prevents it. No, he's not preventing anything. Eli's sons are going to get exactly what they want and they want not to repent. Eli brings up their sins and they don't listen, meaning they don't want to change their way. So it's too late and God is now going to judge. God's going to judge. Verse 26, And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. This is another great principle. This is another great principle. While others fail in their responsibility to the Lord, others 
thrive in their responsibilities to the Lord. If a man does not want to rise to the occasion of his calling, then guess what? God is going to raise up someone else. He's going to raise up someone else. And Samuel is the one that God is raising up. And so you see the contrast here. They're priests. They're supposed to represent uh, God to the people and the people to God. That is what they have been called to do. They're choosing not to do that. Fine. God will raise up someone else. God will raise up someone else. And it's a great question to ask yourself. Is the calling that God has given you, are you being faithful in it? Are you being faithful in what God has called you to do? Or is God going to have to raise up someone else to do what it is that he is calling you to do? And I got to tell you something. You're not going to like to see how God raises someone else to be able to reach or minister to the people that he wanted you to reach and minister to. You'll be glad that they're being ministered to, but you're thinking, I know that's what God wanted me to do. And that might have happened already. And if it has, again, repent. God still wants to use you. He still wants to use you. Because here's the thing. Either way, God's will is going to be accomplished. And I've often looked at it this way. God wins. So why wouldn't you want to be on his side? And why wouldn't you want to be doing what it is that he wants you to do? So when you get to the end, you get the rewards for it. Because he's going to win anyway. And he's still going to accomplish his will. But this is the great thing. He wants to use you in order to do it. Which tells you your value to him. But to also know that God is so omnipotent, omniscient, that if you don't, he could raise somebody else up to still accomplish his purposes. But those purposes are still going to be accomplished. We can't thwart that. Verse 27, Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? This man is obviously a prophet. This, this is a mouthpiece for God. And he recognized by Eli on the behalf of God. And so this prophet comes and tells Eli that his family is going to be cut off from the office of high priest. Did I not clearly reveal myself in the house of your father in Egypt and Pharaoh's house? This refers to Aaron. This refers to Aaron, the Lord's choice of Aaron being the first priest, the high priest. And he gives him the privilege of passing down this priesthood to his sons. So right now, every high priest has been from the line of Aaron, which Eli is from that line. And he has the privilege of being able to pass it down to his sons. But God's not going to be about to let him hand down such a special ordained office to corrupt priests. He's not going to let them do it. He's not going to do it. And it's a privilege. The high priest and his sons, they offer sacrifice on the brazen altar. They burn incense on the golden altar. They wear priestly garments. It says, to be my priest, the first responsibility of a high priest is to minister to the Lord. That's why it's said right here, my priest. He's speaking for God here. He's saying they are to be my priest, meaning that they, the word priest there is speaking of serving, is minister to serve him. 
my servant who is to serve me. That's the first and foremost responsibility of a priest, to serve the Lord. To offer upon my altar, God is saying here. The priest would bring sacrifices for atonement and worship according to what God requires in order to be in right relationship with his people. To burn incense. Burning incense always represents prayers of the people. As the incense goes up towards the heavens, so do the prayers of the people go up to heaven. And so he's supposed to be leading that nation in prayer. And he should be praying himself for the nation. Eli's sons aren't doing that. They aren't doing that at all. And to wear an ephod before me, the priest was clothed in this special uh, garment for the glory and for beauty. And it was to represent majesty, dignity, glory, and beauty of God to the people. Because not only does the priest represent the people to God, but he's also supposed to represent God to the people. (laughs) And this um, picture, this illustration, is completely lost on the sons of Eli. Completely lost. The people can't see God in them. Can't see God in them at all. And so because of that, he goes on and he says, why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me? To make yourself fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Since Eli did not correct his sons, By removing them from the priesthood, he was essentially showing he preferred his sons more than God. He preferred his sons more than God. If Eli was more afraid of offending God than his sons, God would have honored Eli. But instead, judgment is coming to Eli and his family. In 1 Timothy 5.22, it says, Do not share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Don't tolerate sin. Because if you do, you're participating in it. And you're not pure. God will not honor you if you do not honor him. And look what it says in verse 30. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall lightly esteemed. Now here's the thing. You're going to get... This choice is going to come to you time and time again. And and someone came to me here right before the study and said, hey, can I talk to you afterwards? This is a situation that's going on. I said, oh, this is for you. Because here it is. God says, those who honor me, I will honor. And he's telling Eli, he says, you know what? Because you honored your sons above me, he cared more about his sons, what's going to happen to his sons, uh, uh, making sure that his sons still liked him. And he put... That relationship over his relationship he's supposed to have with God. And I'm here to tell every single one of you that there will come a time when you're going to have to choose God over your spouse, over your children, over your most precious relationships that you have here on earth because God says. And it could be because of a lifestyle that one of your family members chooses to participate in. And you have to look at them and say, I know you're my son. I love you. I know you're my daughter. I love you. It could be, I know you're my dad. And I love you. But I can't tolerate what you're doing. 
I can't tolerate that. And so I just want to let you know, I love you, but God's word says this, and I'm going to honor God above you. And here's the thing, that's genuine love. And they need to see that. But that might be very, very difficult to do. But you have to do it nonetheless. God says, you honor me, I will honor you. But if you honor others above me, and you know what's so great about that word honor? That word honor here is the um, Hebrew word kabad. And it means to give preference to. So you're to give preference to God over your highest preferences in this world. And it could be your spouse, it could be your children. You prefer all sorts of people over other people, don't you? But you have to prefer God most. He has to be the highest preference. It has to be, it has to be, it has to be. If you honor him, he will honor you. The word also means to carry more weight. If you have two people that, um, and and you have a a question, do I go to the left, do I go to the right? There's a decision that needs to be made. And two people are there to counsel you. Whosoever counsel you choose, you have given more weight to. So you might feel one way, but God tells you a different way. What carries more weight, how you feel or what you know? How you feel or what you know? Now let me tell you something right now. You cannot help how you feel. You can't help how you feel. But you're 100%, 100% responsible for what you choose to do. And you certainly can respond and react in a godly manner even though you don't feel like it. That's why God is constantly through his word. Choose for you this day who you're going to serve. Choose today. What are you going to do? Choose, 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 choose. Well, if I feel one way but I know another, you're being called to do what you know. And here's the thing. You honor God when you choose to do what God says above and beyond how you feel. And that's maturity. If you continue to go off on what you feel, you're a slave to your flesh. And that's immaturity. That's immaturity. Eli is absolutely showing lots of immaturity here. I love my sons. I don't want to do this to my sons. And Okay, that's fine. But you know what it is you're supposed to do. And you're choosing not to do things. You're choosing not to give preference to what God says. You're choosing to give preference to what you feel. That is never the correct decision. And that will always lead you into sin. Always. God had given the priesthood to Aaron and his descendants forever. And no one could take this honor away from them. However, this does not mean that the priests could live any way they want to and still expect God to honor them. Eric Little, we all know about this story, but it's very uh, um, poignant here. Eric Little was one of Britain's great athletes, and later he gave his life for Jesus on the mission field. In 1924, he was to run for Britain in the Olympics when it was discovered that the preliminary heats of his best event, the 100 meters, would be run on Sunday. Quietly but firmly, Little refused to run. 
The day of the 400 meters race came, and as Little went to the starting blocks, which was the next day, an unman, uh, unknown man slipped him a piece of paper in his hand with this quotation from 1 Samuel 2.30. Those who honor me, I will honor. In that day, Eric Little set a world record in the 400 meters. That was not his best event. His best event was 100 meters. But it was being run on a Sunday, and he said, absolutely not. So the next day, as he ran the 400 meters, not his best event. God honored him, and he set a world record in the 400 meters. God will honor those who honor him. I got to tell you, that's a, that's a quote that I know that Ed Taylor and myself hand back and forth to each other from time to time. When a tough decision needs to be made, if an unpopular decision needs to be made, we constantly remind ourselves that God will honor those who honor him. And that is the direction that we need to go. That is the direction that we need to go. Eli was not willing to do that. So because of that, he's going to be judged. Verse 31, Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes Grieve your heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. When he says, I'll cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house, God told Eli that his descendants would become weak. They become weak. They would lose their strength. They're going to die off, is what he's telling them there. And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. There would be no more old men in his house. They would die at a young age. I want you to go to First. Uh, Chronicles chapter 24. Here we're going to see David's and King David's day. The descendants of Eleazar outnumber those of Ithamar by at least two to one. The reason why that's important is that we're going to see here in a moment that, um, uh, that Ithamar and Abathar and, and all these other guys here come from a, a particular line. And one is starting to die out and another one's about to strengthen. In verse 4 of 1 Chronicles 24, verse 4, it says, There were more leaders found of the sons of Eleazar than the sons of Ithamar, and thus they were divided. Among the sons of Eleazar were 16 heads of their father's house, eight heads of their father's houses among the sons of Ithamar. Thus they were divided by lot, one group as another, for there were officials of the sanctuary, officials of the house of God, from the sons of Eleazar and the sons of Ithamar. You see, Eli's descendants from Aaron through Ithamar, Aaron's fourth son, but God would abandon that line. Instead, turn to the sons of Eleazar, Aaron's third son, to eventually be the line of the high priest. Under David, both Zadok and Abathar served as high priest. Zadok from the line of Eleazar, Abathar from the line of Ithamar, which is Eli's line. However, when Solomon became king, David's son, he removed Eli's great-grandson, Abathar, from the high priesthood because he had cooperated with David's son, uh, Adonijah, in his attempt to seize the throne, which was promised to Solomon. So in 1 Kings 2.26, now go there, so you can see how this line goes down. 
In 1 Kings 2, verse 26, Solomon says this to Abathar the priest. 1 Kings 2, 26. And to Abathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth, to your own fields, for you are deserving of death. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abathar from being priest to the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. This right here is 150 years later. It took 150 years. But finally, his descendancy, no longer part of the priesthood. No longer to be high priest, no longer part of the priesthood. And this is very interesting when it comes to the listing of the Jewish high priest in 1 Chronicles 6, 3 through 15. You can go there on your own. But the names of Eli to Abathar are missing when it's giving a, 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 um, a genealogy. It's completely missing. And so this fulfillment of the judgment would take place many years from now. But God also gave Eli an immediate sign that what has been told to him would indeed come true. Because he says in verse 34, 1 Samuel 2, Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. So God's saying that your line is going to be gone. And here's the way you're going to know that my word is true. This is a sign that you're going to see in your day. And when that happens, know that what else I told you is also going to come to pass. That both your sons are going to die on the same day. And so it says here in verse 35, Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. This was partially fulfilled in Samuel. This was partially fulfilled in Zadok in the days of Solomon. But this is ultimately going to be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 12 through 17. And so this whole chapter is one of God means what he says. And he calls us to a higher walk. He calls us to a life of purity. And if you honor God, he will honor you. But if you prove not to be honorable, he'll raise somebody else up. He'll raise somebody else up to do what it is that he has called you to do. Don't be that person. We see these weak priests like Eli. We see corrupt priests like Hophni and Phinehas. And God will raise up great and godly priests to replace them. And so it says in verse 36, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come, bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and say, Please, put me in one of the priestly positions that I might eat a piece of bread. It's fitting judgment, actually, because much of the sin of Eli's sons were about greed. It was all about greed, is what it was. Greed and stealing from God's people. And instead of receiving the priestly portions, they were rightfully there. Eli's family one day be begging for bread. And that was a very privileged thing to be able to receive as a priest was that portion. You were very well fed as a priest. Very well fed. And now they're going to eventually have to beg for bread. God honors those that honor Him. He's very long-suffering. Very long-suffering. But there does come time when He says, we're done here. And I will bring somebody else up to replace you if I have to. Let me 
That wraps up this Friday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Join us again on Monday as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. Fall is here, which means it's time for our annual Harvest Festival. On October 31st, Calvary Castle Rock will be hosting a wonderful free event for the whole family. The night will include carnival games, inflatables, high strikers, face painting, funnel cakes, food, and of course, lots of candy. So come on out and join us from 4 to 8 p.m. October 31st. We are located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at calvarycr.com. That's calvarycr.com. Or you can call our church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for listening in today. And until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God.